Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. Today's sermon is from Father Patrick Rutledge at Assumption Chapel in St. Mary's, Kansas, given on Laetare Sunday, March 31st, 2019. It is titled, Our Chance at True Happiness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Reverend Fathers, dear faithful, knowing our human condition in this season of penance, the church does today like she does during Advent on Gaudete Sunday. She invites us to rejoice, and she highlights the fact that we are made for happiness. Perhaps we've tested ourselves during this season of Lent, this season of penance. Perhaps we have said no to the flesh, gone out into the desert, so to speak, like our Lord, and the tempter has come up to us to try and dissuade us and discourage us from the efforts that we're making. Maybe there have been some failures. Maybe there's been a lot of failure. There have been a lot of failures during this, this season of Lent with the resolutions we wanted to take. And so maybe at this point we find ourselves asking if it really, if really we're happier when we just say yes to ourselves. Is it kind of a joke for us to pretend like we can say no to ourselves? And so discouragement sets in, confusion, sadness. And yet today the church tells us to rejoice, laetare, be happy. Wherein does our happiness lie? Well, the answer to that question, we have to begin by insisting that perfect happiness cannot be had in this life. We, we've heard it, we say it even to ourselves, but we really have to assent to that. Perfect happiness cannot be had in this life. We can have true happiness in this life. Just as the seed is, is the apple to a certain degree, Invert, it's a, contains virtually the apple in it, but it's not the apple. And I can't enjoy that seed as I do the apple. The happiness we have in this life that is good, of course, not just a vulgar pleasure, is good. It is something of God, but it's not the perfection. No, we can't have perfect happiness in this life. Why? Because we're surrounded in this life by the finite. Finite love, finite health, finite health, uh, wealth, finite pleasure. And we ask ourselves constantly here in this veil of tears, will that person who loves me always love me? Will I ever have enough? Will I ever be at peace? And here we make two mistakes. We either answer yes to this question, to these questions. Will I ever have enough? Will my health ever be perfect? Will, etc., etc. We answer yes to these questions sometimes. 
and think that we will get to a point where we do have perfect happiness, chasing after those things as though something outside of us could be the cause of perfect happiness to the human soul. And this makes us unhappy, makes us depressed. Or we simply keep asking these questions to ourselves. Will I have a perfect and stable love? Will I have enough money? Will I ever have enough? We keep asking ourselves the question, hoping that we'll be able to say yes, but again, frustrated that we never get to that point because, in fact, we're never intended to get to that point. And the problem is that they are bad questions because what is finite is finite. So when we say that there is no perfect happiness in this life, we have to mean it. We have to really assent to that. Again, it doesn't mean that there aren't shadows of happiness. The love of a friend, it's good, it's real, but it's still a shadow of God's love. Both are good, but one is finite and the other is infinite. And this is where the, the virtue, excuse me, the gift of the Holy Ghost of wisdom kicks in and helps us to look beyond the shadows of this life. And we see the thing that causes the shadow. We look at the shadow, it's two-dimensional, it's flat, it's without dimension, without variation or color. And we can't really grasp that shadow but then we look at the thing that causes the shadow and he's three-dimensional and he's a substance and we can really grab him. We can really possess him and he's in color. It's God that causes that shadow. But wisdom helps us to see that cause, the thing that causes the shadow and the thing that we know is the ultimate cause, the ultimate, the final cause. And the soul is at peace because it knows that the shadow's real, but it's just a shadow. That all these creatures that are around us are caused by God, and insofar as that's the case, they're good. And they bring with them a certain degrees of goodness and badness. And the rational creatures bring with them certain degrees of moral goodness and badness. But we're at peace because of this wisdom, because we see that they're all the product of God's causality. They're all the product of the thing that's casting the shadow. So we're at peace. The soul's at peace because we know it all comes from him. Even those creatures that are around us that are crucifying to us, we're not worried because we realize that they're just a shadow, that they aren't infinite, that they won't last forever. So ours is a delicate task to accept that there is true happiness in this life, but that it's not perfect happiness. To err on one extreme or the other would be disastrous for us. A friend really is good, the product of the divine will. 
It's true. Or the creature that we can use. It's good. Maybe we take, for example, alcohol. It's good, but it's a shadow of God. We know that when we start to overuse it, to make it the thing in which my happiness consists, especially at the end of every day, that I become depressed, I become sad, I remove myself from real happiness because I have separated the shadow from the reality. And we might use it and pray, but we're treating them as disjointed at that point, not as a shadow of a, real, of a reality. And so when we accept that there is no perfect happiness in this life, and we come to the limits of the, the happiness that creatures give to us, we have two reactions, either to become sad and depressed or to look up and to focus more on the reality that's casting the shadow. We also lose our chance at happiness, the happiness that we're encouraged to have this point in Lent when we live too much, either in the past or in the future. The present is this very fine channel that goes between these two cliffs, the past and the future, which are enormous. The present is this very fine channel in which we find ourselves. Man finds happiness in doing what he is doing peacefully, master over himself, in union with God who exists for us only in the present. Whenever a man has too many things to do, too many things to think about, too much baggage on his mind, he becomes nervous, he becomes upset, he becomes anxious, he becomes basically anything but happy. That's why it's easier for us to be sad and depressed in the morning because during the night our subconscious has had dominion over us. And it's easy if we don't start the day correctly for that subconscious with all the worries, all the thoughts of the past and the future, all these imaginings kind of intermingled and discombobulated, it's very easy for this spirit to keep us sad and discouraged throughout the day if we don't begin the day in an act of conscious, consciously putting ourselves in the presence of God, uniting ourselves to Him. And this is all the more, all the, more the case in an age of information overload because now no longer do we just simply worry about our own, our own small world. All the problems of all the people of all the posts that we read, of all the news, of the whole world are now filtered constantly into our laps. Only the divine intellect can deal with the past, the present, and the future in one instantaneous moment, as he does. 
Our finite intellects can't handle that. It's why we have to remove these causes of unhappiness from our lives that do nothing but scatter us, that divide us, that make us neurotic, quite simply. Too often, the past and the future, these great abysses on either side of this narrow channel of the present, rob us of the happiness of living in the present moment. We've all experienced the joy of losing ourselves in, a, in the present. You're at a, at a music concert, for example, a beautiful, a beautiful music concert where there's good music. Your cell phone's off, the agenda are not on your mind, and you're just enjoying the music. We know what that happiness is like. Or to be in the presence of someone that we love, a good friend, and we're not worried about anything else but just that presence. It's, we're living in that present moment. Or maybe even on a more supernatural level, we see this loss of the senses, so to speak, in the mystics at times, where they are so taken by God that it seems they're unaware of their surroundings, they're unaware of their senses. St. Bernadette glaring at the Blessed Virgin Mary and them even you know, putting a, a candle under her fingers to burn her to see if she reacts, and she doesn't. Why? Because she's lost in this present. It's a little taste of what the eternal present will be like after this life, a real happiness. But again, too often we're so taken by the past and the future. Again, you know what it's like. You, you leave your room, you go to another room to get something, and you get there and start scratching your head. And, why, why did I come here? What did I come to do? I can't remember what, why I left everything. And why? Because between that room and that room, you figured out the other five things that you have to do after you do that thing. Instead of just living in the present and doing that present duty in the presence of God with all the peace that we should have. This is why, ultimately, sadness, discouragement, depression, whatever you call it, using some of those terms loosely, is ultimately just the refusal of the cross, the refusal of reality. True happiness consists in this perfect unity of the intellect, the will, and our passions, our emotions, whatever you call them, the perfect unity of all of them, engaged, unified in the present moment, doing the will of God. All of them in perfect harmony. Our Lord answers the, the questions for our intellect. That there is no perfect happiness in this life. It's something that moral philosophers have discussed to great extents. Can I find happiness and pleasure in riches, in friends, or whatever? And our Lord makes it very clear that these things aren't bad, but no, it does not exist in this life. And in fact, the cross, ever since his passion, is now a means of goodness for us too, that we can take it and use it that we are meant to be crucified. He answers this question for our intellect. 
And so the intellect comes in harmony, comes in full possession of the truth. I have to be crucified. I have to use the consolations of this life in union with the reality that causes those shadows. And when we come to the real, this realization in our intellect that we're all meant to be crucified with Christ in our own way, then we've already began to be happy. But then the problem, our will has to come in tow. Our will has to follow the intellect. And for most, this is where we cause so much unhappiness for ourselves. I don't say that there are some who need maybe more professional help or some therapy or something like that because of just some deep-seated disposition, shall we say. But far too often, we cause ourselves to be unhappy because our will does not follow the intellect. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We like the idea of being crucified. It's a noble idea that keeps us from meandering aimlessly through this life. Even it makes sense on a mystical level that if I'm a member of Christ's body, that I have to be crucified with him. And yet our wills don't lead us down that road. We don't like the reality of it. But that's precisely why we have to take resolutions that we can actually keep. Concrete resolutions that our will can actually keep. So that the intellect and the will can now be in harmony. And we can be one, not divided. That's where we get the word diabolus. The word diabolus means divided, devil. That's what the devil does is he divides us up. The intellect and the will working together, going down that road together. The athlete asks himself the same question. What, what races can I actually participate in? Can I really run a marathon? Are my muscles ready for that? And if we bite off more than we can chew in Lent, no pun intended, we run the risk of discouragement and sadness because we've overextended ourselves. We're trying to do more than our wills are capable of. And now we have this this disjunction between our intellect and our will. Lacordaire says, I will is a phrase rarely meant, though much used. A man who comes to realize the secret of really using his will, though today he be poor and lonely, will soon surpass all others. That's why the impulsive man who decides what he's going to do based on the movement around him is always going to be sad in the end. Because there's this disjunction. And then we have our passions too. And that's where the cross is so necessary for us. Not only the ones that the good Lord gives us for our sanctification, but the ones that we choose. Because these crosses reset the passions. They put these passions back so that they're in perfect unity and harmony with the will and the intellect. Just as our Lord, we speak of his passion as being acted upon, suffering in the in the most human parts of his makeup, in his hour, looking outside of himself, looking at the will of the Father, suffering for his souls. We need motivation to to endure this. 
Let's look outside of ourselves for that motivation. It's not just a question of losing 20 pounds during Lent. It's a question of the salvation of souls. Look outside of yourself. This too is such a cause of sadness in our day. We're always looking at ourselves. As a psychologist says, we often we're in a room that has nothing but mirrors in it. And everywhere we look, we see ourselves. But when we make these efforts, it turns these mirrors into windows. And finally, we can see out. And we can see others. And we can see the beautiful landscapes. Sadness is ultimately, like I said, the result of the refusal of the cross. So much unhappiness caused by either chasing after consolations as an end or an unhappiness caused by us refusing the cross. But when we peacefully live in the moment, united to God, united in the present moment, the man, the complete man with his intellect, will and passions in complete harmony, doing the will of God in the present moment, we begin to taste the happiness that can be ours in this life and that we ultimately want forever in heaven in union with our Christ, with our God, who himself was crucified. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please subscribe and rate the podcast so that more people can find the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. More information at sspx.org, including a video of this sermon that you just heard.